0: You're listening to Good Inside with Dr. Becky. My guest today is Destiny Davis. You might know her from Instagram as Destiny Ann. To me, she's a friend, a study group colleague, and an overall awesome parenting coach. Today, we talk about Destiny's personal parenting journey and answer questions from parents in the community. With all that in mind, let's jump in. If you're anything like me, mornings can be a real struggle. Between making breakfast, prepping lunches, and making sure our kids actually brush their teeth, the last thing we have time for is a kid having a meltdown about what they're wearing. This is where Goranimals comes in. Goranimals is the original mix-and-match clothing brand for babies and toddlers in sizes newborn through 5T. They're easy-to-pair and fun-to-wear styles, empower kids to dress themselves, boosting their self-confidence and independence. Oh, and making morning's power struggle free for us parents. That is a win-win. You can find all of their fun mix-and-match styles from their new spring collection in Walmart stores and on walmart.com. So here's to easier mornings, confident kids, and parents reclaiming their sanity. Here's to Garanimals. Hi, I'm Dr. Becky. And this is Good Inside. I'm a clinical psychologist and mom of three on a mission to rethink the way we raise our children. I love translating deep thoughts about parenting into practical, actionable strategies that you can use in your home right away. One of my core beliefs is that we are all doing the best we can with the resources we have available to us in that moment. So even as we struggle, and even as we are having a hard time on the outside, we remain good inside. Hi, Destiny, I am so excited that you're here.
1: Hey, Dr. Becky, I'm super excited too. I'm glad we are finally making it happen.
0: Seriously. And I'm really excited about the format of this episode, which uh, we just came up with like two minutes ago, because so many people, when I told them on my Instagram that we'd be talking about kind of the line in a way between warmth and connection and permissiveness. People just had so many questions and I thought how cool would it be for us to talk a little bit about this topic and then welcome some of those people on and have them ask their question live and we can give them live answers. So I'm so glad you're game for that. And I would love to hear your thoughts at first about kind of this idea of like, what is permissive parenting Everyone hears that word and they think, oh, I don't want to be that. And I'm sure you hear this a lot, too, from parents where we talk about feelings, we talk about connection, and parents worry that, oh, no, is this going to kind of turn me into a permissive parent? Will my child kind of, quote, walk all over me? Things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I do hear that a lot in my community especially. And that was my biggest challenge with transitioning into peaceful parenting is that I was very permissive. And for me, it's it's all about needs and needs getting met. And as a permissive parent, my needs were a thousand percent always on the back burner. And it was very fear-based. I was so afraid of being my parents. I was so afraid of causing trauma. And I was just so hyper-focused on creating this emotionally safe environment, but it was very much not safe for me at all. It got to the point where respect was an issue. I wasn't respecting myself. And so she wasn't respecting me. And that's when I really realized that that style of parenting did not necessarily work for me.
0: Interesting. So your journey in parenting and even your kind of dabbling in the permissive side, came from some version of, I I really, I know the type of parent I don't want to be. Is that, is that right? Yep. Can you share more about that? Because I think that applies to so many parents.
1: Yeah, absolutely. When I became a parent, I I already had that understanding of like, this is a separate person and you know I want her to have her own life and her own vibe and spirit and all that. I did not want to project, but I was still projecting because I was so focused on, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this kind of parent. And I never stopped to ask myself, well, what kind of parent do I actually want? to be. And so there was this mm. long list of I'm not doing this. Um, But because I didn't focus on what I did want to do, I kind of just didn't do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. So for those parents listening, and I'm sure so many of the parents, they really resonate with what you're saying. If they grew up in a family where they felt controlled, where they feel like their voice was never heard, or they feel like, oh, feelings, like, mm-hmm. yeah, feelings were not disgust in my family they were not valued in my family kind of my way or the highway get in line and yeah. I think a lot of people who are raised like that do know I, I don't want to do that to my kid like I want to respect my child my child's feelings and ideas and thoughts matter and yet I'm curious what you think about this because I feel like permissive parenting which I guess we should come up with a definition but is kind of anything goes, my child is kind of in the driver's seat type of parenting.
1: Yeah. That free range. That's I and I used to subscribe to that so hard. That free range children idea.
0: There's something controlling about it too. I actually really think that in that often a marker of a permissive style is the avoidance of your kids distressing emotions. You agree?
1: I think that it can be. I know that that wasn't necessarily it for me, Mm. um, but Mm -hmm. I definitely have seen that in my community. And I think that there is a range of permissiveness where it's I'm being passive about your emotions. And then there's the I'm being passive about discipline. And so I fell into the I'm being passive about discipline area and values and boundaries. I was passive there. I was Mm. completely hands on, kick gloves with the emotion side of it. Um, because we were grieving. And I was completely hands off with discipline and educating. And I was just like, this is your life. And I'm just just here to support whatever you create, even though you're tiny.
0: (laughs) There's so many things I want to ask. So maybe we'll hopefully we'll get to a bunch of them. But that's really interesting. I haven't really thought that much about this. So I'm sure I'll have a lot more to think about after our conversation. But There can be multiple ways where we can be permissive and I'm guessing we can be permissive in both where one is kind of I'm not really actively engaging in your in your emotional life. Like it's just kind of I'm not I'm not attending to it. But another one you're saying is being more permissive around discipline, meaning I'm letting you maybe make decisions as a child that really are out of line With what your role is in a family. I see you nodding. So yeah, yeah, say more, say more about that or how that even looked in your house.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So without that clarity um, of the parent that I wanted to be, I was just letting her direct the sales. And I, I just, in my head, I was like, I have to be the parent that she needs. Mm. I have to be the parent that she needs. Um, And so I was constantly letting her direct the discipline. And if she was motivated to do something, We did it. If she wasn't motivated to do something, we didn't do it. And it was a lot of it was me grieving and me just being so hyper focused on helping her through the emotional trauma. And a lot of great things came from that. But we got to a point where we were moving out of that grief and we had not as much security in our environment. So we had the emotional security, but we had the emotional security, but we didn't necessarily have the security in our environment. And when I went to go implement the security in our environment, I got so much pushback because it was like, whoa, I've created the environment. I don't have respect for you. Why are you telling me to do anything? You've never forced me or you've never you know, encouraged beyond my no ever. So what is going on? And she was like, Five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had done this for some years yeah. and so that was really really difficult to transition
0: and two things you've said the word grief a bunch of times could, could you is that something that's comfortable to kind of expand on a little bit or give some more yeah, color yeah to?
1: absolutely so um when Kennedy was about five years old my mom passed and she was a huge huge influence um, in my life and in Kennedy's life I always joke and say that like my mom was both of our moms because I had Kennedy um, very young. And so that was a huge change for all of us emotionally. And I had to step in in ways that I knew that I wasn't necessarily prepared to step in. And so it created just a ton of insecurities. And I was so hyper-focused on just the emotional piece of it.
0: And there's a way in which I think this all kind of comes together. First of all, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure feelings come up for you every time you talk about it. So I appreciate you letting us in. Sometimes when we are so overwhelmed by our distressing emotions, the idea of setting a boundary and being a sturdy leader Mm. and having the energy to then tolerate our kids' feelings in reaction to that boundary And having the energy to empathize with those feelings and validate those feelings. It's too much, right? It's just like, yeah, it's not.
1: That's the nail on the head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so as you kind of went through the range of your own feelings, Mm -hmm. something happened where you were able to show up to Kennedy differently?
1: Yeah. And I've never actually processed it in that way, but it was exactly that because it wasn't like I wouldn't set boundaries or limits. I just didn't have the emotional capacity to be the bad guy. <laughs> I just didn't. I just was like, I can help. I could help her with her emotions about everything. But I was caring so much myself that the minute that that energy was towards me, I didn't know how to handle her anger towards me. I didn't know how to anger her frustration towards me. It was too much. It just felt like too much where it was just like, you know what, it's fine. So in that way, I probably was being permissive with her emotions anytime that they were directed towards me.
0: And I'm just thinking that's how I feel like that's where that word controlling kind of comes up. And sometimes I feel like it's useful to talk about things in a a slightly more hyperbolic way than you mean it, because it just kind of can drive home a point. But there's a way in which we can all be permissive when we are not willing to not willing, not able, too exhausted, whatever it is, but when we can't face our kids' distressing feelings about a boundary we set, essentially, no, you can't do this thing, or no, this screen time is over, when we know our kid is going to have a big reaction, and maybe, and I think you're really hitting the nail on the head here, especially when those feelings are about us, mom, I hate you, dad, you're the worst, right? then we can go into permissive parenting mode in a way to mm-hmm. control our
1: kids at not yeah. having those feelings that they need. And that didn't, that never happened before. Like I wouldn't even let it get there. I wouldn't even let it get there. And so now that she's nine and I can handle it and she has the space to do it, I'm getting all that. I'm getting the, you're the worst and I hate you and, and I'm like, prepared and I understand it now and I can handle it now, but it doesn't mean that she didn't have those, those feelings wouldn't have come up back then. It's just, I never, I was so intentional about making sure the environment would never let it happen. Um, I think one time she told like my aunt or something that she had those feelings towards me and, oh my God, it was just like, I went into people pleasing mode again. And it was just like, okay, I got to change the environment. I got to like, I got to make sure that this isn't the case because she needs that one person that she can like. And I was confusing attachment and security with liking me.
0: And, and actually Destiny, what what came to mind for me when you said that is, you know, she needs that one person she likes, but in a way when you were in a really vulnerable place, you probably needed one person who wasn't causing you additional distress right? <laughs> I
1: did. And right. I did not have
0: that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I think there's a way to generalize this for everyone listening, even though I'm sure everyone hears their own stories and what we're talking about, that permissive parenting, right, is often marked by, I, I don't feel like I have the emotional energy to tolerate my kids' feelings in reaction to my boundaries. And now we're talking about boundaries and feelings, which I feel like you and I love talking about boundaries and feelings. Right? Know, like
1: It always comes back to it. Like, it does. And I try to move outside the box, but.
0: But we're, we always get back. It's such a strong magnet because boundaries and feelings to me, it's like those Those people, you're like, really? You're friends with each other? Like, I don't really get that. But like boundaries and feelings are like best friends that like other people don't understand. We're we're often taught like they'd be in, in enemy groups, right? But they are best friends. And I actually think as we hear from parents who, this is my prediction, as we hear from parents who bring up situations and kind of probably all of them are gonna ask us, okay, well, how do I connect to my child? And where's the warmth? But I don't wanna be permissive. My guess is we're gonna often come back to feelings with boundaries, like putting those things yep. together. Because so many of us feel like they're in opposition. If I'm warm, mm-hmm. there aren't really boundaries. And if I'm boundaried, I'm kind of cold. And I know yeah. you and I have talked so much about how, no, like being warm and empathic, it goes hand in hand with being actually mm-hmm. really firm and really boundaried.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But we we don't often have a lot of examples or a lot of practice of doing them both at the same time, just in life in
2: general.
0: A hundred <laughs> percent. And going back to our own childhoods, I think so many of us hear the word boundaries and we're like, yeah, we. Oh, I had a parent who set boundaries, but it was, it was harsh. It was cruel. Yeah. It was like, we didn't exist almost. Right. We we didn't feel mm. real.
1: What I found, especially in my community and when I look back on my experience is that I can't really put it in a box of whether my parents were, had too many boundaries or like no boundaries. It was just like back and forth and it was inconsistent and it was not secure. And I think that the basis was that we had boundaries and we also had so much freedom, but neither was rooted in intention or values. It just was a thousand percent based on the environment or what my parents were going through at the time. And so Mm. it created so much insecurity because I had no idea what the rules were, what the boundaries were why they were even boundaries um and I think that that even when I switched from permissive to being more intentional it wasn't till maybe like a year or two ago that I realized wait no this has to actually be rooted in something I can't just okay now I'm setting boundaries like why and where are they coming from and how do I explain that to my child so -hmm. that as she grows they can be her boundaries and I'm not constantly enforcing them you know. So that was a really difficult transition as well.
0: Absolutely. So let's bring this to life. I know we are very similar in that we want to make all these ideas around parenting like actionable and real and rooted in people's actual kind of situations in their homes. So- I think the first person who's going to join us, I believe, is Gina. So let's have Gina come on. And for everyone listening, this is nothing I've ever done on my podcast. I don't even know what Gina's about to ask us, truly. And so this is as if Destiny and I were walking down the street and just ran into Gina. And Gina was like, oh, Destiny, Becky, it's so nice to run into you. I had a question. And that's what we're going to launch into. Hi,
3: I'm Gina. I have a four-year-old son who I would characterize as a deeply feeling kiddo. You know, we've been trying to do the division of responsibilities at mealtime where I don't pressure him to eat. I provide the food. He gets to decide how much and what and trying to provide safe food so he does get something he likes. Um, He tends to not eat a lot at dinner. And so I've always offered a bedtime snack. But lately, he's even after the bedtime snack as we go up to bed, as we get ready, And as we're just about to read our bedtime story, he says, you know, mommy, my tummy hurts. I think I'm hungry. And I have tried, you know, I'm, I've struggled with the boundary around this one because I believe that he is hungry because I don't think he's eaten enough for his activity level. And I myself hate going to bed hungry. Um, I can't sleep if I'm hungry either. Uh, So I have most of the time's given him the snack. And I try to make it a boring snack, just like a plain piece of bread or something to fill him up, but it's happening a lot. And I feel after afterwards, I just feel really conflicted that I'm perhaps encouraging the behavior or not sticking to the boundary. I've tried at the first snack time to say kitchen's closed. We're not doing this again, but in the end, I I kind of believe he's telling the truth and I don't want to send him to bed hungry.
0: You know, food at bedtime is tricky, right? In that I just, I can't imagine any of us when we're much older and our kids are older are gonna say like, oh, you know what? I just did so well as a parent. Like I just let my kid have no food later at night. Like that just felt so good, you know? I don't know, right? I feel like it's one of those things that sometimes our fear of being quote, a permissive parent gets in our way of giving ourselves permission to just like do something that feels right. And Gina, you said something that really resonated with me. It was just like, I hate to go to bed hungry. And I would hate, I don't know, for me, I would hate if my husband was like, well, Becky, you already did have a bedtime right. snack, so I think you can't eat, you know? Um, I'd be like, you don't know my body, right? And and at the same time, I know as a parent, and I know Disney, it's the same, like when when it's time for your kids to go to bed, like you're, you're done. Yeah, you're like, okay, time. I'm done. Like I need that like two seconds that I get to myself. So- Here's where I think we could bring together this, like, okay, what's permissive? What is more boundaryed? Where can we also honor our kids' feelings? I would come up with a snack that you feel good mm. about giving to your child while you're reading. I do this in yeah. my house where it is during reading time that my four-year-old often is like, but I'm still hungry, Mom. I'm still hungry. And I'm just like, that's not the power struggle I really want to get into, right? So he's allowed to have, we have no allergies in our house, right? He's allowed to have nuts and he'll always say, can I have so many raisins Then I know? He'll have all the raisins and none of the nuts and that doesn't feel like the same thing as just having a kind of boring snack that truly does fill you if you're hungry but isn't so exciting that you're just going to push for more and more and so we pre-negotiate that I say, look, so while we're reading, you can have cashews you can have almonds and if he says to me, I don't want that, I want you know, whatever it is, I want this fruit snack instead, or I want chocolate. You know, I kind of know again, I can hold that boundary and say, That's not an option. I hear you, you're hungry, and only you know what's going on in your body. And I believe you. And here's a snack that I will offer. And I know in the back of my mind, I say to myself, If he's really, really hungry. He's going to eat this. If this is really about hunger, that's going to be it. But then I also might say something like this, Gina. I think this is also helpful as a parent. This is the amount of cashews you're getting. I know your belly might still have a little of that hunger after. This is all the food we're going to have. So let's just get ready for that bowl to be empty. And then we can, oh, let's take a deep breath, something like that. And that sets me up to know I'm honoring my kids' feelings while I'm also holding those boundaries, and again, I think when we marry the validation of feelings with holding boundaries, I, I think we feel really good about that. Destiny, what would you what would you add to that or shift about that?
1: You said something that really hit the nail on the head for me in terms of being able to set boundaries, um, and that was the pre negotiation, and it takes out us being triggered in the moment. It takes out their frustration, having a conversation at the beginning of it and you're expecting it, I feel like that makes such a huge difference and having that conversation before they get upset about the boundary or you know, before you are at capacity and you find it difficult to hold the boundary is so, so helpful in creating that routine and allowing them to ease into understanding what you're saying as opposed to, all right, it's nine o'clock, we've already done this, I'm just saying a clear no. So I absolutely love renegotiation, re-negoti- es- especially at transitions, at things that are like routines, like nighttime routines. I think that that would be super, super helpful. And I do that with the four-year-old, especially. I have to think ahead for her. And I know that nighttime's hard. She's the same way. She's that nighttime negotiator. And I start that conversation before bedtime. I'm like, okay, we're taking our bath. I know you're going to want a snack. These are the snacks that we can have. She has options, but outside of those options, that's where my... I guess the strength of my boundaries come. So it's a both. It's yes, we have flex- flexibility and this is how big the flexibility bubble is. And we're <laughs> not going outside of it.
0: I, I love that. And I really do think that we we forget to trust ourselves with that flexibility, mm-hmm. right? We We sometimes, and just to trust, like, what would I want just because someone was flexible with me? That doesn't mean, I would walk all over them. Yeah. And it really I think we often go there and then it makes us be extra rigid. And that doesn't feel good to us and it doesn't feel good to our kids. So I I love that idea of like this is my flexibility bubble and bubbles have flexibility. But also I'm not going to let it get to the point where I pop because, we know, when it pops, that's when we yell. Right. Oh, just go to bed. Right. Right. And again, that means we're not showing up the way we want to show up.
3: Yeah thank you gina thanks gina thanks you guys this was amazing i can't believe you took my question
0: so i know we're approaching that back to school time and i get it i get it we all want to stay in summer mode i just want to let you know that one of my favorite things to do is help parents get ahead of tough transitions So instead of feeling overwhelmed or guilty, you end up feeling like you crushed a really important moment in your and your kid's life. And back to school is exactly one of these moments. So I wanted to make sure you knew about our back to school bundle. With that bundle, you get a live workshop that gives you everything you need to know. And if you're too busy for a workshop, I totally get it, which is why you get a 10 day checklist and a mobile first approach to support. In fact, you can text us after a hard drop-off so you don't spiral or feel like a bad parent. This is one of the most popular times to jump into membership, so check it out at goodinside.com or via the link in show notes.
3: Hi, um, I'm Claire, mom to two boys, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I wanted to get your thoughts on when my three-year-old can come across as rude to, say, family members For example, grandpa visits and um, he says a friendly hello, but my son doesn't even acknowledge him and might not even respond at all or responds in a very unfriendly way, like says no or go away. Um, I would love to get your thoughts on what would
1: be the best way to deal with that. Oh, that's such a good question, Claire. Such a good question and one that I resonate with a lot because my four-year-old, she goes back and forth between wanting to run away with strangers and completely not speaking to anybody. So I would say that when it comes to being permissive, I would have previously taken a stance of like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to force her to speak or, you know, I'm not going to tell her to say something nice Um, but now where I'm at with it is that I understand what my values are. And so while I don't force, I'm very intentional about teaching. So I do want to give you a practical piece of advice for that when, when they're in the moment, like the logic and all of that and trying to teach them and no, you need to do this and you need to say, hi, I may not resonate long-term, but I'm always modeling. And for me, I'm triggered in the moment and I feel embarrassed. And so that's my stuff that I have to work through. However, I make a point to model to her how I would have preferred for her to handle that situation. So that's how I keep my boundary. And then at a time where neither of us are triggered, we're connected, we feel secure and rooted that's when I go into teaching. So I personally would not force that, but because it's, it's a both thing, right? And I still have to to respect her and that doesn't feel rooted and aligned with what my values are, but I am still going to teach her and hold that boundary by modeling that behavior. I'll say thank you. I'll say hello. I'll ask if she wants to say hello. Um, and then when we are at bath time or, you know, when I'm really present with her and she feels open, I'll have that conversation and I'll respond To whatever the moment was. So I'm really big on recapping, revisiting, um, and coming back to things at a time where it's safe and where it can be received. And then also recognizing that who they are right now isn't who they are, are going to always be. And our modeling and our connection and holding our boundaries through our discipline and our teaching are gonna win. And we gotta do whatever you gotta do in the moment to not completely feel that overwhelm of like, oh my God, and my family's going to talk about me and I'm embarrassed, you know, all of that. So it it is a balance. You, you can do both, but resisting the urge to try to do both right in the moment is what I've been focusing on.
0: I love that so much, Destiny. And I just kind of want to uh, tell me if this is right to almost summarize, like model in the moment like don't force, replace forcing with modeling. So instead of say hi, your grandpa said hi, say hi, right? Or I think another thing we do at the moment is you're yeah. being so rude, right? So to model and just instead say, I sometimes even say from my kid's perspective or I might say, uh, oh, you know, right now she's having a moment. Right now she needs space. Oh, hi, grandpa. Yeah. How was your day? And just let the modeling speak. And then you said, which I love, after it's bath time, I'm actually connected to my child. I might say, There was something about when grandpa said hi to you that must have felt, I don't know, but kind of tricky. Uh, What happened? Or if my child's, you know, younger and I feel like they wouldn't even know how to respond to that, I might say, "Ooh, let's play a game. I'm going to say hi to you. And you're going to think of three different ways to say hi to me back, kind of from the perspective of my child was missing a skill. And if I always think like if I was a basketball coach and my child couldn't make a layup, I can't imagine I'd yell at them. I'd go to the basketball court with them and teach them how to make a layup or get them closer, right? (laughs) And I think sometimes we forget that kind of coaching model with our kids. And I think that is one additional point I would make, Claire, which is that I'd encourage us all to be kind of just mindful of that word rude, When we use it as describing what our kids are doing. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I describe, and of course I do this too, oh, my kid's being so rude, that was so rude. There's no way that I don't want to kind of like, you might get a punishment or react harshly, right? It just puts you in harsh reactive mode. If I instead think, something felt uncomfortable. And when they were uncomfortable, they didn't have the skill to manage that discomfort well enough to tolerate it and show up and say hi. Then I I actually like my kid when I think about it that way, right? I'm like, oh, okay. And then I get to, well, what can I do outside the moment to teach my child? And so again, we get back to this kind of fear of being permissive, that if I don't come down harshly on my child. It's as if my child will believe that I approve of their behavior. And I think that's something that people taught us along the way, that if we don't punish our child or say, this is not okay, it's equivalent to saying to our child, please do more of this rude behavior. It's not equivalent. And to trust that your kids don't think it's equivalent and our kids kind of just like us sometimes do need that space. And you were saying it too, Destiny, and we need that space, which I think we need that space too, to see our kid through a more generous light and then connect to them from that perspective of maybe they were missing a skill rather than my kid is being rude.
1: Yes, absolutely. And understanding what you want as a parent, I think, Claire, I hope that you leave this understanding and knowing that it's okay that you don't like that. And that was where my permissiveness was lying was like, I was lying to myself trying to be this gentle parent. And it's like, no, you're embarrassed. That's okay. You, you have a desire for your child to be polite. You, you're you not going to force that, but I would not, I could not admit that. Like when I was being permissive, I could not admit that I had values that were rooted in, just politeness or that I was embarrassed when my kids acted a certain way. And so I was not dealing with it. And my permissiveness had a lot to do with that. So I just wanted to honor you for being able to admit and, you know, say that this is something that you're struggling with and that you feel like, you know, is rooted in one of your values, because that was a struggle for me for a while.
3: (laughs) Thank you, Claire.
1: Thank you, Claire.
3: Thank you. Bye.
2: Hey, my name is Eric. I'm 38 years old. I have two daughters, eight years old and four years old. And what my question is is during our bedtime routine, um, my my four-year-old is like falls asleep in two minutes. Like it's pretty quick. Like she's down. We read a book. It's quick. My eight-year-old is like her brain comes alive and she wants to do stuff. And sometimes it switches the anxiety side. Like she gets worried about the next day. And sometimes it's like craft mode and she's just like, I just got ideas, dad, that I got to get out and I want to draw and can I just like sit and do this? But I also want to hold that firm boundary with bedtime being like, hey, it is getting late. Like you need, it's time for you to go to sleep now. But since I'm an artist and designer too, I connect with her having that time and her almost feeling like there's not enough hours in her day to do her creative thing. So, I'll put the younger one down and then I'll go check in, and she'll just be like, made herself a little fort zone and is just like drawing pages and pages. I'm like, hey, honey, okay, we got to wrap it up. We got five minutes. And she's like, no, dad, can I just have more time? And I'm like, oh, I just want to get on the ground and draw with you too. But, I, you know, I, we need to get in bedtime. It's a school day tomorrow kind of thing. So, for me, as also a creative parent and seeing how badly she wants to do it but then how it can play out the next day if she doesn't get enough sleep and it kind of becomes like negative compounding interest with her mood the next day. It's just like, oh, you know, the ripple effect. Question is, you know, um, wanting to celebrate that desire with my daughter at, at that time, but also hold that boundary for bedtime.
1: Such a good question and such a fun age. I love that you guys have something that you can, Relate to each other with because at this age, relatability helps so very much because she's getting to that phase where she's understanding the values and she's starting to play with them in her own mind. So for me, what I would do because I have a very similar child as well. She will stay up till three o'clock in the morning if I let her is that we do what Dr. Becky was talking about earlier, which was pre-negotiating. And we have these conversations based on our values that I spent so much time rooting her in and she gets them. And so we have this conversation where I say to her, look, you value creativity, just like mom, you value being able to do all these amazing things and you value fun, but you also value your energy. And so we kind of create like this very scientist experiment kind of environment where we look at our day, we look at the data and we're like, hey, you don't like how you feel when you don't get any sleep. So how can we live in the space of and? How can we live in the space of both? What's a reasonable time where you feel like, ah, oh, I got my creative energy out and I'm still taking care of myself? And so we kind of break it down. My daughter's name is Kennedy. And so I, I like, I'm like, okay, so this Kennedy right now wants to play, right? What does tomorrow Kennedy going to want? What is what tomorrow Kennedy or morning Kennedy going to want? And how can we find space to do both? And so at that age, they have a bit more critical thinking and they are desperate for some autonomy on the rules and the values and stuff. So this is a great time to collaborate with her and create those boundaries. And then with the pre-negotiating, I clarify what my role is. I am here to have your back when you're not having your back. Okay. So that may mean that sometimes you're going to be mad at me. Sometimes you're going to be frustrated, but we're setting a clear boundary and I'm going to be there to help you through that moment when we've moved beyond the flexibility. So you said I can, I'll go to sleep at 11. All right. I'm going to be there at 11 and we're going to start to transition into bedtime. And if that gets hard and that gets frustrating, I can handle your feelings, but I'm going to enforce that because I want nighttime Kennedy and morning Kennedy to both get their needs met. Okay. So I definitely would have a conversation and take it from that range where it's not you against her. It is me and you against this problem that we're solving. How do I get to be creative at night and still have energy and a great mood and all of that the next day?
0: I I love that. And then the, the the, the thing that came to mind for me is I think when we're Considering a boundary and whether in that exact moment we hold it or we're more flexible, a key differentiator of kind of sturdy leadership versus something permissive is whether we're making that decision based on something that just feels right inside of us or we're making the decision because we're worried about how our kids are going to feel and react and Everybody knows, kids and adults, everybody knows when someone's scared of their feelings. They sense it. Kids know when we're changing a boundary because we've changed our mind versus we're changing a boundary because we are just fearful of them being mad at us. And I think we don't, as often as possible, we don't want to make a decision from the point of view of our kids, you know, being mad at us. Oh, I want to avoid that. But it sounds to me, Eric, like sometimes... You're willing to be flexible. You know what it's like to have a burst of creativity. And I'm sure you know what it's like then to have that cut short. Um, And I think there's a way to bring all of this together. And I love, Destiny, what you said about this kind of and situation. Oh, there's this creative kid in you. And there's this morning kid who still has to go to school or whatever it is. I think another and we have to consider as parents is whenever we make the decision to be flexible about a boundary, I think we unconsciously believe our kid owes us complete And utter cooperation without pushback. And I know I do this. I'm like, wait, I just let you watch an extra TV show. So you're supposed to end that TV show, shutting off the TV and coming to me and saying, you are the greatest mother in the whole world. I love you and I will put myself to sleep. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. So I think as a parent, you have to say to yourself, I actually want to be flexible about this boundary and. Let me anticipate my child is still going to push back when I hold the boundary again in 10 minutes. And I think that sets us up to be way sturdier because we're ready. And I think we can also give that message to our kid. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I also know what it's like to have a burst of energy. And it's so fun. And it's the worst feeling when we can't even start that project. So, okay, let's jump out of our bedroom. We're going to do this little project together. Here's the thing. We are going to stop it in five minutes or in 10 minutes, whatever you decide. And I have a feeling it's still not going to feel like enough. I, I, I feel like preparing our kids for the not enough feeling is so important because there's many things in life, and we know this as adults, that never feel like enough. And time at night is often one of them. It's just not enough. And if we're searching for the enough feeling and something inherently never feels like enough, well, you know, it's not, it's not a good equation for anyone. So even just to name that, yes, let's create together. Yes, let's put some of these ideas to paper. And let's just get our bodies ready for the fact that we're going to have to pause and still we're going to wish there's more time. And in doing that, you're getting yourself ready for the protest. Your child's body is getting a little bit more ready. And the chance of that going relatively more smoothly, I think, is way higher. The last thing I'll add is I think that beyond just in this episode, but I I do hear from so many parents that kids do push boundaries at night, right? And I I just want to normalize that, that it's for most of us the time when our bodies are slowed down enough from everything we're doing and accomplishing that other really important ideas and memories and stories and urges come up, right? And it's not a kid being manipulative It's more just kind of this slowed down time where often our kids do show us more parts of themselves. And I know I have found kind of a lot of relative peace in just telling myself I told myself my kid was going to bed at certain time. Like, I'm the only one who's keeping track of that. Like, nobody's watching me saying, Becky, your kid went to bed eight minutes after you said you were going to put them to bed. Like, you're a horrible parent. Like, no one's watching the clock. And maybe I allow myself that flexibility to hear that extra story, to do that extra art project. And I know giving myself that freedom has helped me so
2: much. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Bye.
0: Thank you. All right, Destiny. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being game for this kind of fun new way of engaging with other thought leaders like you, with people who have questions. This is super fun. And I'm curious for you, kind of, I know for me, whenever I listen to other people talk and share their stories, I have so many different ideas. And I, I know you kind of work the same way. Well, any kind of final thoughts on on this idea of permissive parenting or giving in or trusting ourselves? Oh, any Anything that's come up for you as we've kind of talked about it?
1: I think a lot of the questions made me think about the conversations that I have with myself in my head Yeah, while I'm with my kids. And so much of it isn't external. And I think that that's where the shift from permissive came for me was that I was actually present with my values or present with the boundaries in the moment where I was running before and just trying to be somewhere else, trying to shift the moment. Um, and so thinking about your capacity, because we, we know the boundaries we are setting and we know the limits that we're setting and just, okay, never mind whether this should be flexible or not, or, you know, all in my head about whether or not I should hold this boundary. What capacity and what flexibility do I have right now in this moment? Like with the nighttime routine, do I have capacity for three minutes? you know, the three minute flexibility, or do I not? And then being able to effectively communicate that with our children is so powerful. And being able to hold space for whatever the feeling is and holding space for that feeling could be, I know, I love you. I'm so sorry. Good (laughs) night. Holding space for that feeling could be, I'm sitting with you. Holding space for that feeling could be letting them talk it out and get it out but not running from whatever that feeling is. And you said something that really stuck with me and that was that it's okay. Like it it makes sense that they have that frustration and we don't have to fix the boundary, but we don't have to fix the frustration either. Yeah. That was powerful.
0: I think that, you know, one of the things that came up for me as we heard different people or different parents kind of share stories is I went in, to this kind of episode, thinking about the line between being warm and connected and being permissive. But I'm thinking now about being permissive versus like trusting yourself as a parent, that Mm -hmm. there's trust involved in saying, I do usually do bedtime at 8.30. Tonight, I'm going to allow myself to let my kids stay up later. That doesn't make me a permissive parent, especially if I know I'm not doing it just to please my child. But I'm doing it because my kid does have a great idea to do some art project. And I really remember how my parents' rigidity drove me crazy as a kid. And I trust myself, if I do change bedtime tonight, to not necessarily be locked into that new bedtime tomorrow. Right? And I trust that I can have a kid who eats dinner, even if they get an extra snack during you know, the uh, nighttime reading routine. And I guess, you know, what, I, what I'd what encourage everyone listening to really think about is that idea of, of trusting ourselves, that changing our mind doesn't mean that we are parents who can't stick to our guns, right? Like, changing our mind doesn't mean that you know, we waffle at everything. Changing our mind can be a really sturdy decision. It can be really respectful. It doesn't make you someone who's permissive. And to kind of, for us, all of us to just like give ourselves that that compassion and that, that trust, I think is really, really powerful. So thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for being here and tell everyone, Destiny, how they can find you and get more of you.
1: Yeah, the easiest way, all my links are at destinyann.com. That's D-E-S-T-I-N-I, not dot D-E-S-T-I-N-I, A-N-N.com. And all my socials and my community and all that are there.
0: Oh, Destiny, that was so fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Good Inside. I love co-creating episodes with you based on the real life tricky situations in your family. To share what's happening in your home, you can call... 646-598-2543 or email a voice note to goodinsidepodcast at gmail.com There are so many more strategies and tips I want to share with you and so many Good Inside parents I want you to meet. I'm beyond excited that we now have a way to connect and learn together. Head to goodinside.com to learn more about Good Inside membership. I promise you, it's totally Totally game-changing. And follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Becky at Good Inside for a daily dose of parenting and self-care ideas. Good Inside with Dr. Becky is produced by Beth Rowe and Marie Cecile Anderson and executive produced by Erica Belsky and me, Dr. Becky. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review it or share this episode with a friend or family member as a way to start an important conversation. Let's end by placing our hands on our hearts and reminding ourselves, even as I struggle, and even as I have a hard time on the outside, I remain
3: good inside.